You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Now, before we get into this interview, I have an exclusive opportunity for you that I'd love to bring to your attention. And that is I have just launched a six to 12 month mastermind called the Circle of Influence, where I'll be taking you under my wing to show you how to build a platform online that generates an income for you so you can have more freedom in your life. I'm also going to show you how to become a powerful influencer online so that you can score interviews and so you can get exposure on major publications and platforms. And I'm going to even show you how to build these platforms yourself, such as a website, podcast, a YouTube channel, and a social media following so that you can get your message out there to millions. I'm also going to show you how to network with other incredible leaders online so that you can interview them and so that you can collaborate with them and really show you how to refine your story so you can share it in an unforgettable way to score more interviews, to score book deals, and to gain more speaking opportunities so that you can become a powerhouse leader. Now, if this speaks to you, make sure you head over to IamJoelBrown.com slash apply and get in before I close my doors on this live interactive exclusive opportunity where I'm going to go deep with you and with the community of Circle of Influence Game Changers. Don't miss this. Now let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with Arjit Nalwalkar, who is the co-founder of Mindvalley Teach, the CEO of Evercoach, and the author of the up-and-coming book, Live Big, Arjit is an absolute machine. Uh, he is an incredible entrepreneur. Arjit and I hung out in uh, Sardinia just recently. We had such an awesome conversation around business and systems and entrepreneurship. And I, I could talk for hours with Arjit. And, you know, it was really important to, to be able to bring Arjit into this space because he has just so much wisdom to share. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm really excited for you to hear what Arjit has to share. Arjit, thank you for jumping on, mate. Oh, thank you for inviting me on, Joel. And thank you so much for such a kind introduction. Thank you. You're welcome, brother. I mean, it's it's all truth. It honestly is. Uh, you know, like some people, you just feel like they have just uh, this thing about them where they have like, a passion for what they do. And, uh, you know, you can get caught in, in long hours of conversation with someone like that. And I really feel like I get that from you. And you do a, do a lot of deep work in, in what your uh, mission is. And you know, I think it's really exciting to get around that. And I'd love for you to share uh, what really inspired you to share your work, Live Big, because I know that, you know, you coach and you speak and, you know, you're running companies or multiple companies. So why sit down and, and instill this wisdom in a book? Like what, what excites you most about the content that you have to share with the world? Well, it started with the journey of my own journey in a way, and I'll give you a quick snapshot of that. So I was running this wonderful company called Mind Valley about five years ago, four years ago. Um, and as I was being the CEO of the company, I was getting more wealthy and I was really, really progressing in career. But at the same point of time, what had happened 
during that journey was I personally started to suffer and everything else. So it was almost like I was paying the price of a successful career by by paying in health, paying in relationships, paying in part par, uh, relationship with friends and parents and so forth. And so it there was a realization point, and I'm not going to dive too much into that, but there was a realization point where I had realized that as much as I was getting really career-wise successful, I was suffering in the other areas of my life, which had me take the decision of saying there has to be more. There has to be a way where we don't have to make the choice of saying, is it this or that? We don't have to make the choice of saying, if I can be great in career, then I have to sacrifice my family or I can't have a relationship because I am an entrepreneur. And it's so fascinating because I was just reading some facts and it's not, I haven't been able to validate it. And it seems like entrepreneurs seems to suffer about about 40% of entrepreneurs report they're in some type of depression, 40 or 45%. That is insane no number. Um, or about, about I think, 61% of entrepreneurs end up in divorce. I, I'm, again, like I said, I'm, I have to fact check all these numbers, but I was just researching it today. And I was like, that is insane. And that was my truth at that point, honestly. I was, I was really successful, but I wasn't very happy. I wasn't a very good leader and so forth. I wasn't, my relationship was in shambles and so forth. And so I said, there has to be a way to live it all and to be able to have it all. That threw me on a journey for, for about two years where I traveled around the world, spoke to many people, spoke at many stages, consulted many clients, like you said, and, and tested a lot of theories and studied a lot of theories to find out, can you have it all? And this is my report, you can say, in a way. The big is the output of all of that, all the tests, all the struggles, all the personal struggles that I had to go through, all the fears I had to personally overcome, all the things that I thought were very important and are told traditionally are important to be able to let go of them and install new beliefs and new ideas and new philosophies of how we have evolved as society and what, how much more is possible in today's times allow us to change the rules. And that's what my intention with Live Big is. It's a manifesto, it's a guidebook for us to be able to relive our purpose, our passion in a practical way where it's actually not just a idea about passion and purpose, but actually how to take it home, how to make it real in your life. Oh, I love this. See, Ajit, we could we could keep this uh, interview bright and sparkly, but I'd like to to take it down to a deep dark place, and and that is, you know, you <laughs> mentioned before, like the entrepreneurs that suffer from anxiety, and it, you know, it's interesting. I put up a post on my Instagram the other day talking about how stress kills, and I went into how I was working in a sales job, and I was like overdosing on coffees to try and hit my sales goals. I was taking all this pre-workout stuff, hitting the gym, trying to look big and muscly. I thought that would make me happy and make me feel like I'm achieving and gave me this false sense of achievement and I was burning myself out. Uh, I even went to the doctors because I was getting heart palpitations and sweating out and, and the doctor actually prescribed me antidepressant pills and I nearly took them. I didn't take them, but I nearly mm-hmm. took them, you know, and I could have gone down a very different route. And I'm so happy that I didn't. But what I realized was I was coming from desperation. I wasn't coming from inspiration. I wasn't inspired mm-hmm. from within. Uh, and you know, what's funny, a lot of people messaged me after that and said that it resonated so deeply. And so many people, it was surprising, like some of the entrepreneurs that I am connected with that have told me, Joel, I'm in this space right now. And I never would have guessed it. What's mm-hmm. like, what can we do, man? What can we do about this whole anxiety thing that entrepreneurs are feeling. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are feeling it too. Absolutely, absolutely. So so a quick understanding of anxiety. Most of the anxiety that we get comes from expectations. 
So whatever is your expectation of yourself, of the reality of the world, of other people, of whatever that is, usually is the reason why you get anxious about something. So think about it like this. If let's say you have set a year long goal uh, and let's say the goal is, and I'm going to use hypothetical numbers here. Let's say the goal is hit a million dollars, right? And or do $5 million in revenue or whatever that number is, right? You set that goal and you start to go towards it. And then October, you, you realize if 5 million was the goal, you have only hit a million, you're 4 million behind, anxiety takes over, right? Right. That's how anxiety takes over. And I'm sorry about the mic hit there. Um, so, but anxiety takes over at that point. Right. Because you're like, oh, I have three months. I must hit four million. Where did the five million goal come from? First of all, most of the time, it's a it's an arbitrary number of a figment of our imagination or somebody else telling you, oh, my friend grew his business by 300 percent this year. So I must grow my business by 300 percent this year. It's an expectation that is created from an outer reality. It is not an inner expectation of yourself. It is an outer expectation that has been implied that you should accept because the world said so. And so you create that uh, goal or an expectation of yourself. Now, secondly, so firstly, goals in, inherently usually are designed by what the world thinks you should have as a goal versus what you think you should have a goal. So that's the first phase of usual anxiety creation is just goals. But sometimes anxiety comes, oftentimes for that matter, anxiety comes from just expectation of what we have from the world as well. So it's not only the world's expectation that gives us anxiety, our expectation of the world gives us anxiety. Oh, the person, I sent an email, I really liked that person, we had such a candid conversation, they didn't reply. Well, you have your fears coming up, anxiety coming up, your non not enoughness coming up, and all of a sudden you're going into that place, deep dark place, like you said, which leads us to not be in a place of inspiration, but more in a place of depression, or or anxiety, or however you want to call it. So anxiety is a function of expectations. If we can change our expectations, we can change the way we show up. We can change if we will be anxious or excited about the same thing. So here's a simple exercise for any entrepreneur that you want to maybe try and do right here, right now, right? And it's a, it's a two-part, three-part exercise, right? And three-part exercise starts by you reflecting on where you were 10 years ago. You can pick five if you're a young, young entrepreneur or a young person, think five years ago. But if you are somebody who is over 30, or over 30 years old, think about yourself 10 years ago. It will help, right? What was your reality 10 years ago? Where were you? How much money were you making? What was the expectation of yourself 10 years ago, right? What were you thinking you're going to make in five, 10 years or even across your life? If I was to ask you this, Joel, 10 years ago, you were probably doing that sales job where you were pumping coffee or some art in college. I don't even know where you were 10 years ago, right? So 10 years ago, whatever, wherever you were, like, for example, 10 years ago, I was an intern at Mind Valley. I was making $400 a month. That's no where way. I was 10 years ago. Damn, my, you climbed yeah, the ladder. I, I, oh, yeah, I did. I did. I but my expectation of myself was maybe if I could make three, four thousand dollars a month, 10 years from then, I would have been happy. If you ask the 10 year younger self of me, that's all my goal was. I was like, wow, I was at four hundred dollars. I was happy. It wasn't I was unhappy in the context of where I was. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. Right. So that's where I was 10 years ago. So all of a sudden what happens is the moment you realize where you were 10 years ago, you get immediately grateful. Immediately, because 10 years ago, whatever you expected of yourself, you probably are way further than that. 
most likely that is the truth for 99, 90, 90, 95%, 98% of the people. There's the one or 2% where you're going through a particular challenge right now in life is why you might think you're not further in the journey, but you most likely are as well, right? But you are in a challenge state, so it will be a little bit hard for you to be grateful where you are today, right? So that's the first step is to really understand what can happen in 10 years is why I said, think about where you will be 10 years from now, or where you were 10 years before. Now, the next thing that I want you to do is whatever is your goal for the year or the next two years, push it five to 10 years ahead. So if you wanted to make $5 million this year, instead of thinking about you'll make it this year, move it to five years ago, five years ahead, right? Or 10 years ahead, even better, if you can do that, right? Because if you wanted to make the $5 million and that would give you true happiness, how does it matter if it's in five years or 10 years, right? If $5 million was all the money you wanted, right? If it was all the money you wanted, does it matter if it comes in five years? It doesn't, right? If it comes in 10, does it matter? No, you're still happy with the 5 million, right? So what if we just move that line, make it five or 10 years from now? That's the second part of the exercise because as you will move it five or 10 years from now, you will almost immediately start to feel relief around it, right? Because instead of thinking about how do I get there in a year or three months, worser, now you're like, oh, what if I get there in five years? What all would I do, right? What all can I do in this moment, which is the third step of this exercise, is to think about how will you show up today if you knew there was no hurry, anxiety around creating whatever is the vision of your financial vision or other vision. So this the same exercise works if you have a relationship goal, if you have a health goal, if you have any goal, if you push it further down the line, most likely your present becomes so comfortable that it becomes easy for you to create right now. So for example, if let's say five years later, you want to uh, have a six pack ab, right? You'll start changing your diet today. But the anxiety of three-month result, three result would put you and get a gym uh, instructor and work out five days a week. And then what will happen when you do that is that the second week, you just hate it. The third week, you hate it, right? And that's why we fall off habits because the goal is only three months or four months. And what happens if in three months we didn't reach where we wanted to reach, we start to get demotivated about it. So instead of staying excited about it and being excited that that will happen in life, we just lose the goal. We just lose it because you're like, ah, it's not going to happen anyways, right? So anything in life, if you push first, realize how far you've come in 10 years, uh, then move your goal five to 10 years ahead and then see what happens in the now or how would you show up today if you knew you had five or 10 years to achieve that goal? right? Because what will happen then is you will make small but lasting changes in your life, right? So you'll start to change your business in a way where you'll say, hey, listen, if in five years I want to be at a $5 million company and say you are a million dollar company today, what is the product that I should create? You won't create a shitty product that way. There's no way because you want to last that business for five years. You will create a better product. When you create a better product, heck, you will make a $5 million a company much 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 faster than than five years from now but the thing that happens is because we are in this rush of getting the next three months or a year we tend to do things that are out of anxiety that are out of fear instead of creation and excitement so that would be a easy that would be one of the things that any entrepreneur can implement today and they will rid themselves of anxiety almost immediately Oh, oh, this is amazing. Ajit, you're killing it. <laughs> I love that this is an actionable episode. You know, so anyone that's listening, you have the option to rewind this right now and get your notepad and your pen out and, and really do this. Like this is where change is made. You know, you can sit here and cognitively understand something, might even be able to 
remember it for years, but if you're not actioning it, you're not going to see a change. So please do this exercise. Man, I really love that. You know what's funny? Uh, eight and a half years ago, I casted my 10-year vision for success. I was sitting in the room with Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, and he challenged me. And this is my first experience of really writing down, putting pen to pad. And uh, I wrote down there that I wanted to create this website that's worth millions of dollars. And I wrote down one million, right? And I'll be a millionaire by the age of 30. And I was uh, 22 years old. Anyway, two years later, I was offered 1.2 million, 1.4 million for Addicted to Success. And all these you know, acquisition offers came in. And I realized, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, I wanna speak on stages, I wanna run events around the world and all these other things that I realized that the million dollars wasn't, I was like, where did I get that from? Where did this number just come from? It was like a society thing. I love that you said society and the environment brings this into our life and we have to challenge this thought quite often of like, why is it there? And I love that you, you brought that up because I think that we do that so often with so many things. So thank you for bringing uh, and shining light on that. That's awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Arjun, another really interesting thing in your book, and I can't wait for everyone to read this book. Make sure you pick it up. It's a, it's a game changer. Uh, in your book, you talk about this thing that you practice as an entrepreneur, and it's funny because there's like, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, wait a minute, what? Four hours a day, four days a week, which is 16 in total. Like, how do, how do you become an effective entrepreneur working minimal hours, right? Because you hear a lot of people saying, work your face off and work till your feet fall off and you, you, know, you, you, you pass out mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. how does this mm-hmm. work, man? What's the science behind it? So th- there are multiple sciences behind it. And there are stages of business where you might have to work hard, but then there are stages of business where you don't, right? So firstly, if you're just starting out a company, if you're literally just starting out right now, you will have to work your face off. So that's just because you're starting out. You can't afford talent. You're working out your first product. You don't know how to run a company. That's why you'll be working your face off. But that stage ends maximum two, maybe three years at the top. If in three years, you're still working your face off, your company's probably not working and you probably want to reconsider either the products you're creating or the marketing that you're doing because there's something wrong. And three years later, still, if you have to work your ass off, there's something that's off with the business model. Now, it doesn't mean that the business won't work in the sense of it'll make revenue. It can still make revenue, but it's not a business that is designed to scale because if it needs you to work 18 hours a day, probably has there is some fundamental flaw in that business model right so you want to look at that right so first i just want to give that as a as a disclaimer because in the first two years of the business yes you have to work your ass off but after that you don't and if you it's your second business you definitely don't have to because you would have learned from the first business on how to not work that that long and the reason is not and the reason why i advise not to work those long hours is because no ceo no founder is at their best when they're doing the work No CEO, no founder is at their best when they're doing the work. They are at their best when they are visioning. They are their best when they're coming up with strategies. They are at their best when they're interacting. They are their best when they're learning. That's the role of a CEO. That's the role of a founder is to push what the company has imagined further. It's not to run the company. It's to push the company to the next level. Right. So there is no reason for you as a CEO or a founder of a company to work harder. 
you should be working lesser because that's where you'll create the space to have the balance of different ideas coming to your business, to have the balance of saying, hey, what can I go out and learn that would help this business grow right now? Who should I interact with? What should be my partnership looking like? Those all things happen when there is space. If there is no space, those things are never happening, right? So that's the reason why I advocate for saying you don't have to work your ass off. If you are an entrepreneur, for that matter, you shouldn't be working your ass off. If you're an entrepreneur, what you should be doing is is envisioning ideas, learning about things, connecting with people, having a full life for yourself, because that's how ideas are bred. The many different concepts that we talk about in the book on how really, for example, intuition is built. Intuition is not built just because you you have some meditation, it's a woo-woo thing. It's not. It's an informed thing. But for that, you need to be able to have other things in your life for intuition to show up and for you to get that epiphany that all of a sudden feels like, oh, my God, where did that come from? That's the best idea ever, right? More on that later or in the book itself. But let's go into four by four. This is one of the favorite things that entrepreneurs come back to me on saying, hey, how do you do that and why does it work and, and how can I do that too? So let me, let me share with you some of the scientific research that this whole theory comes out of. Okay, First is Pareto's, Pareto's principle. Everybody knows the Pareto's principle. It's the 80-20. If you don't know the principle, just Google it. It's 80-20. 80-20 simply means that 20% of your activities will create 80% of your results. But Pareto's principle, I like to do Pareto's principle 2.0. So I don't really look at my 20% activities that create 80% of the result. I take those 20% activities and I do 20% of that and see which is the one or two activities. And that's usually in business one or two activities that create the maximum output for the business. Right. So first is to is to streamline and really know what are the activities that the business needs to do and be very, very clear on that. And that's the first reason why four by four works. And I'll just explain how four by four really shows up in life. Right. Second principle that really comes into play is called Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law states that work will always fill the time that you assign to it. Work will always fill the time that you assign to it, which means if you give a task eight hours, it will take eight hours. If you give a task one hour, it'll take one hour. If you give a task three days, it'll take three days, right? Which means that if we could pick the right tasks and give it a set number of time, we should be able to execute profoundly powerful tasks in a very limited amount of time. But here's the third research that plays into it. It's by a guy called Carl Newport and his book, Deep Work, where he talks about how if you spend an increased amount of deep work time, which is a consistent time without interruption into a task, the quality of output that you get of the task is significantly higher than if you interrupted the time every single time. Uh, a classic example of that would be, let's say if you were writing an email uh, a proposal and you constantly check your social media. If you constantly check your social media, the quality of proposal will be significantly lower and it'll take you longer to actually write that proposal. But if you sat down and wrote the proposal at an extension, extended period of two or three hours, you would have a significantly better proposal and you will get, get it done in a much shorter period of time, assigned two or three hours. So let's combine these three principles. Pick the right task, know that work will always fill the time that you assign to it, and know that deep, worker, deep work is more effective than having fractured time or fragmented time, right? Now we take all these three principles, and I said, what if I executed the most important task in a set amount of time that I've dedicated on that day to that task? 
And that's the only task that I do. Here's an example of one of my days. One of my days is called writing days because I run companies that are in the education business. I tend to write a lot. I like I like writing books, as you can see. So, so I tend to write a lot. So I say, okay, today, which is every Tuesday, 8 to 12, all you will see me doing is cranking out writing on my computer. That's all I do. There is no social media that bothers me. Everybody on my team knows not to send me any message at that time. And even if they do, everything is on silence, so I don't respond. And so does my wife. So everybody knows that Tuesday, 8 to 12, Ajit's going to be writing. So don't bother him. Right. And so is every other day. Like there's days which are assigned for just deep team conversations. There are days that are assigned for product. There's days that are assigned for content. There are days that are assigned for marketing. And not every day is needed. Every week you don't need a day for everything. Right. You need it for different days and different weeks. Right. So that's how four by four really works. I said, if I dedicate four hours a day for four days a week, I can get all of my most important tasks that I've predefined using the Pareto's principle always done. And I only play in the field where I am a genius at, like I am undisputedly really, really good at, at least in context of my team. I don't want to uh, compete with the world in context of the team that I build, the context of the business that I run. I am absolutely best in that thing. That's my genius zone. And for everything else, I hire. And I tell my hire team to use the four by four principle as well, because all I care about is can they get the result at the highest quality? And that's all that matters. Right now, four by four may show up differently for different people. For example, some people might do five by four, five by three, six by two, whatever that is for you. The point really is that you can design your custom system based on these principles. Use the Pareto principle, know that there's Parkinson's law, which means you have to assign a time that you will get a job done and you don't mess around with that. And lastly, do deep work. Don't be fragmented. Social media can wait. Nobody's going to die if you don't like a post on Facebook, right? So if you know these three principles and you operate in your genius zone, you can implement four by four and you can get done a lot more done in a lot less time. Oh, man, this is good. This is really good. Distractions are massive right now, right? Like we're saturated with social media. And as entrepreneurs, like I, I know just even for me to get like a notification, it throws me right out of my flow, especially if I'm content creating, right? And content creation for our business is huge. We need that, right? And, yeah. and I think it seems like that for most people nowadays, that's marketing is content creation. So I love that you've shared this. And I think that, you know, this is going to be such a powerful exercise along with, you know, breaking down the whole anxiety thing as well. So you've shared two really incredible exercises already. And we're 25 minutes into the, the uh, episode. So thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I know that uh, one of the biggest, I guess, pressing questions that uh, I get often, even as a coach and uh, that we notice with Addicted to Success is that a lot of people are saying, I don't know my purpose. Or how do I find my purpose? Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that mm -hmm. you speak about utopian purpose uh, in your book. So mm -hmm. what's that about? What's a utopian purpose? So what happens with purpose is often, again, it's, it's somewhat like the goal theory, right? We pick a purpose based on what feel, not, not feels right, but what sounds right. So for example, there was a client of mine and they're in the photography space. And one of the times that I was talking to them, I was like, okay, what's, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of you building this business, right? And they're already a pretty successful business in that space. So like, what's, what's the purpose of you building this business? And they were like, oh, we want to change the world. I was like, 
you want to change the world and you're in the photography business i mean how the how the heck is that connected like there is no how is the connection of photography to changing the world and as we dug deeper i realized that they had defined their purpose to look good they had defined their purpose to look good and that's what the mistake that most of us a lot of us do when we get started or even later in the journey is because people always ask about what's your purpose and so people go oh because i want to heal the world and i want to do this i want to do that hey if you want to do that that's great but don't define it because it will look good because that throws you off on a journey or gets you to say things that you don't really mean and somebody and you yourself will catch yourself at some point. Now, eventually we realized that that particular company, and I tell the story in the book, we really figured out that what their purpose is that they love beauty and they just want to share beauty and that's all that it is. And that is absolutely fine. The challenge with purpose in today's time is because we talk about it so much. Everybody feels like they need to save the world. Nobody needs to save the world. The world's fine. The world will save itself. You don't have to worry about it. And I know I will get a lot of pushback on that, but really honestly, we will be fine. We as human race, as human species, I know we do bad things, but we do significantly more good things than the bad things that we do. The bad things get a lot more news and press, but if world was that bad, we would not exist as human species. We are fine. We are going to be fine. But if you want to change something, yes, change something. But sometimes your business's purpose is just what your business's purpose is and what your life purpose is. Like my purpose has nothing to do with saving the world. I don't need to save the world. I don't need that pressure on anybody else to believe that I will save the world. What I want to do is just move the line a little bit more. Can I make things a little bit better? Can I serve and love? Can I be in a space of joy every day? Right? It has no big thing that I am chasing. I'm not. I'm chasing daily joy for myself and the people that I interact with to live in a place of love and service, to be able to move the line just a little bit, to be able to present an argument like Live Big and say, hey, you don't need to choose one or two things. You can choose and have it all. You don't have to decide that, no, I must sacrifice. You're not. You're not a warrior. You're not in the battlefield. You're somebody who's trying to build a business. Be kind to yourself. Pick something that you truly believe and keep moving forward in that direction. Now, the reason why I call it the utopian purpose is because the second mistake that people make is they set the bar too low for them. The challenge, or not the challenge, the idea really of a purpose is to only have a guiding light. You never actually want to fulfill your purpose then that's the big thing that one must realize when defining their purpose. If you actually fulfill your purpose, that will be like dying because you will lose meaning in life the day you fulfill your purpose. Set a purpose, so set a vision of yourself that is almost unattainable so you can keep moving forward. There's a very popular speech um, when Matthew McConaughey won the Oscars. He gave a speech and I'm gonna not try to quote him exactly and neither do I have that uh, wonderful sound and voice and that accent. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna try whatever version of that where he basically talks about that there was a person that he loves in his life that came and asked, what's your vision for yourself? And, and he thought about it and gave the answer, hey, my vision for myself is when I'm 35 years old, right? How will I be 35 years when I'm 35? Or sorry, my vision for myself is 10 years from now. And the person came back to the to Matthew McConaughey and asked, uh, so I, have you met yourself yet? Have you met your vision yet? He was like, no, I've, now my vision is 10 years, what I will be 10 years from now, right? So 
Oh, sorry. It is hero. Who's your hero? I'm so sorry. I misquoted him completely and destroyed that speech here. Uh, <laughs> I hope you can slice and dice it and bring that speech actually and have him say it. But basically what the question was, who's your hero? And he says, my hero is me 10 years from now. And then he goes, 10 years later, the person comes back and says, hey, who's your hero? And he's like, oh, my, my hero is me 10 years from now. Because what he's saying or he's trying to say is that you don't want to meet your hero ever. You don't want to meet your purpose ever. You want to move the line a little bit further because you never want to be your hero. You never want to move your, meet, meet your purpose because that will be like that. That will be like meeting the ultimate, whatever that is. And you don't want that. You want a guiding light. You want something that is just further in the journey and you hope to be there one day in your lifetime. But if you don't, it's okay. Mm, yes, yes, yes. It's our potential, right? It's like someone asked me recently, what do you fear most? And I had a good think about it. And I said, I, I, I'm scared of my potential. Like I'm scared of what I can do. I'm scared of what you can do. <laughs> you know, and, and that's true. a great answer. There's just so much, yeah. man. There's so much that we can do because if you like, I love that exercise you did before where you're contrasting, where you go think back 10 years ago, where were you? And then like, you feel grateful instantly and it's true you also look at it and go damn i've come a long way you know yeah. in a short amount of time like 10 years like goes by real quick you know this right like you've got a kid yeah. coming along soon you got a child <laughs> yeah. coming into the world and that lie. like you know it happens real yeah. quick and and yeah. like how do you prepare for something like that anyway man like i know that like there are entrepreneurs that are listening right now that you know they have their mm -hmm. vision maybe they're operating really well in their business everything's going good or they're growing and then they have like something show up and it could be an event it could be family thing it could be they got a child coming along what are you prepping mm -hmm. for mentally because i know you're not exactly there yet but what are you preparing for to make sure that you have like some good foundations in place so there's a whole process that I use to, to prepare for anything, including having a child or whatever. And even if it's an unexpected thing, I can give you some, some ways that, that I like to, to move around. And it's not just my ways. I've researched this and many people use the same strategies and have been able to find a lot of success with that. But before that, there's an Alan Watts quote that I want to start with, because that will probably set the premise of understanding what to do or what to think about when there are challenges in life or things come unannounced. Alan Watts once said, life is like a dance. You don't like it more when it ends, right? <sighs> dance is beautiful when it's happening. Dance is not beautiful when it ends, which means that life is beautiful as it happens. As you're doing the dance, you're going to miss a step here and there. And that's what makes it fun. If the dance was flawless, it's not so much fun. It is flawless, but it's not fun. Right? It's fun when you switch the music a little bit sometimes. And when you step a little bit there and when you change the partner sometime, that's when the dance becomes fun. Then that's when the life stands becomes joyous. And it's boring as hell when it ends. You don't enjoy the dance more when it ended. All you do is like... Can we have some more? Have you been to a party? Right. <laughs> when you're in the party, you don't like when the party ends. You're sad when the party ends, when it's especially, a good party. Especially right. a Mind Valley party. <laughs> especially a Mind Valley party, an AFS party especially. You never want it to end. You want it to last a lifetime. And that's true for 
for life. You don't want it to end. You want to bring the different elements of life coming to you and the joys and the sorrows and the challenges and everything's good, right? So firstly, that's the approach that I take to life is life is like a dance. It's not a journey. I'm not going to a destination. I am in a dance and I would love this dance to be as joyous, as fun with all the yings and yangs that come in because it makes, it amplifies the fun that I'm having with the dance, right? So all of the all of it is required. So that's the that's the concept and that's the philosophy that I would love for love for our our, our listeners to ponder on a little bit is to really think about how they think about life, what is life to them and for them, because that will allow us to really have this analogy sink in, or if there's a different philosophy, that philosophy to sink in, and that will change direction of your life. Now, what happens and how do you prepare for challenges? Usually, um, my method is education uh, and learning. So I go, if I know, let's say, for example, I'm becoming a father, this basically means if you go to my my house and the library in my house, there's a ton of birthing books because we are doing home birth, the tons of child, like really child, like when the kids are really small, those books, the next month we are starting to prepare for early education for the kid when they're really really young like we're preparing for some of the methods that are there so it's a lot a lot of education a lot of programs that we take a lot of classes we are going to every saturday we go to a class uh to learn about different stages of uh infants and you know like all the stuff that needs to be done so i'm an avid learner and if you are Facing a challenge, I know most people react when they face a challenge is to try to solve the problem. What I've found the most effective way to solve a challenge and face a problem is to actually go and study. Is That's what I've found to be the most effective way to get out of it. Because what happens when a challenge comes in our lives is that we start to think everything's going to go bad. Because that's just how human nature is, right? When everything's going good, what do we think? It's going to be good all the time, right? When, and when anything is going bad or something has gone bad for more than a day, what do we think? Everything's going to shit, right? And that happens in an entrepreneur's life on a pretty much every other day basis, if not daily basis. Oh, revenue is down. Shit, the company has gone to shit, right? Uh, I don't know if I can say that word on the on on the it's call okay, here, man. but it's but so I good, it's okay. real. <laughs> yeah. So 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 yeah. So so if anything goes bad, it's like oh shit, everything's gonna go to hell now, and you start to go into that cycle, and you feel like everything's going bad. But that's not that's so not true. We know that life is a dance. It's gonna go up. It's gonna go down, and that's all okay. So what we want to find out is what is that thing? What is that trigger point that will bring us out from the state? of feeling everything is going to hell to a state of saying, I can figure this out. And it's all about state. I truly believe, especially entrepreneurs or people who want to be entrepreneurs are extremely smart and courageous people because you have to be extremely smart and courageous to be able to even think about starting a business or wanting to start a business or be running a business. It is an outstandingly courageous thing to do because you are, okay, and here is the thing, and you are in this spot for sure. Right. When you are especially a speaker, an educator, or you are somebody who's in the public eye, you basically said, I'm going to present an opinion and now you get to take shots at it. Right. Yes. Whatever you say on to success, you basically say it and everybody has a permission to take a shot at it. Whatever I say on this podcast, anybody who listens to this podcast can go on and say, this guy is stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He can, they can take a shot at me. I have put myself out there. This is the most courageous thing. I literally said, without a bulletproof jacket, I'm saying, you can take a shot at me right now, right? And that's what an entrepreneur does on a daily basis. They go out there and put themselves out there. That is courageous as hell. 
It's really, really courageous to do that. And the only thing more courageous than that is being in the army or navy or any of these defense forces because that really you are going to go get shot. But in this case, you're emotionally getting shot, spiritually getting shot, psychologically getting shot on an almost a daily basis. If nobody else, your team's taking jabs at you, right? Or can take jabs at you if that's not working out really well in business, right? So some, but something is always taking a jab at you. It's a courageous thing to do. It's a brave thing to do. And it's a really smart thing to do because you can't create a business if you can't really process a lot of information and emotions at the same time. It's not an easy task. It looks easy, but it's not at all, right? So as an entrepreneur, you're really smart. What you need is perspective. You don't need anything else. If we can switch the gear of an entrepreneur, when they are down, they will figure their way out how to come back, right? If you can help an entrepreneur to look at the same problem a little bit different, they will come out of there. They, they don't need you to handhold everything. They will need the perspective again and again sometimes. So they do need a coach. They do need a trainer, but they don't need that nuance. They can figure out the nuance. They, they're not challenged by it. They already figured out more nuances than we can imagine. And I can and you can say that because we have done that ourselves in our businesses. But an entrepreneur needs perspective. They need insight. They need a different lens at any given time to be able to get out of it. And which is why I say, if you're challenged, if you're troubled, if you feel something's not working out, study, learn, read books, go to seminar, take a course, get a coach, whatever that is, do any of that and it'll work out. It seems like, oh, this is not going to, this is not, you know, a lot of people are like reluctant about it and they think, oh no, coaches don't work or no, how much can I read? That's the only way to get out of it. And you will see every single time. And if you want to reflect back right now as an entrepreneur, reflect back how you got out of a challenge. You got out of a challenge because your perspective shifted. How you're going to manufacture and systemize perspective shift is through learning, through education, through seminars, through courses, through coaches. That's how you systemize perspective shift, right? So that's how, if a challenge, just go read a book. Worst case scenario, at least read a book. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this because you're practicing being resourceful, right? Yeah. Like uh, I heard uh, Jordan Peterson the other day was sharing like what happens in our brain uh, when we're faced with the uncertain. It's psychologically, this is what actually happens. You start to create within your unconscious, you start to create a fantasy or a nightmare, right? That's where we start yeah. always. It's like, oh, you know, millions of dollars are going to fall from the sky. Everything's going to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. It's like delusional, right? And then the nightmare yeah. is, I can't do that. Screw that. I'm gonna, get, you know, I'm gonna get hurt. I'm gonna be in a world of pain. But if we give it time and we research and we jump in and we create new reference points in our mind and we increase the belief and remove the doubt and increase the faith, now you're starting to work with more of a realistic point of view on how to tackle the problem. And I, I love that you were saying, you know, like you've got to like go and study and research. Man, every time I've been faced with it, I always ask myself, like, what can I create? Like, what is the solution? Because you're going to, like, the problem's always going to be there if you're not going into creation. It's It, it exists. It's right there. So mm -hmm. go into creation and solution. And, and yeah, man, study and research. I love it. Yeah. Very sound Absolutely. advice. Beautiful, yeah. man. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so, you. So, Ajit, I mean, this has been 40 minutes of just fire. So <laughs> we're going to have to get you on again, man. We definitely have to, uh, going to do totally. it. Uh, we're going to do a part two. Uh, but, you know, your book comes out in December which is coming up uh, upon us right now. And, uh, you know, if you're listening right now, you've heard maybe three or four things that Ajit has jammed on. Uh, he's got a book full of at least 25 things in there that are really solid topics 
Uh, so make sure that you pick up this book to go even deeper with it. I really believe that this is like the, the manual for all entrepreneurs and even aspiring entrepreneurs or anyone that's even like inspired to, to step into the, the realm of, of just living big in their life. So uh, make sure you pick up a copy of his book. Uh, Ajit, do you have the audio book as well? Uh, no, right now it's only the book that's coming out. But what you do get is when you get Live Big, you would inside the book you will find a secret link that allows you to go to a website and that has additional artwork. So all the artwork that you see on the back for the ones who are seeing the visual version of this, there's artwork behind. So every chapter comes with artwork that you can put on your, you know, in your office. So you have a good reminder with you at all points. And there are additional resources that are there, videos and trainings that you get that you can use to be able to execute some of the theories and philosophies that are presented in the book. So we wanted to as much as, like I said, just said, I believe entrepreneurs just need a shift in perspective and insight. Sometimes it is helpful to get additional resources. And that's what we've done with the book is to create a separate area altogether of, in, of materials that we couldn't include in the book, but for additional resources and very helpful in context of the chapters that you'll be studying. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you. Uh, so, Ajit, how can we find you online? Where are you? Where's your content? Where's your social media handles? So at this point, the, the like just go to livebigthebook.com and that will redirect you to the right place to go ahead and get the book and it'll also take us to our website so you'll be able to find everything there, all the social resources and so forth. But I'm available to all platforms except Twitter uh, and Snapchat because I, I'm still struggling to make use of them and I'm not so uh, engaged with everything. I, I have my disciplines of four by four as you can understand. So yeah. I need platforms that I can take my time to respond and of having to be trigger happy all the time so that's why but i'm available on linkedin instagram facebook i personally reply to every all of my readers i love interacting with my readers so any of those platforms all you'll have to do is search my name and you'll be able to find me there's only one ajit nawalka you have to sell my full name just ajit by an hour <laughs> <laughs> wonderful wonderful brother Thanks a million for jumping on. Really appreciate you, bro. And uh, looking forward to just seeing, I know that this book is going to do big things and I know that, you know, your content is already fire. So to see you speaking on stages around the world and just, you know, really blowing this up and inspiring more people is just, for me, that makes me really happy to know that uh, that's on the curve. So awesome stuff. Uh, now, Ajit, uh, we always finish this interview with one last question. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech, to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? If I had only 30 seconds to give give a speech, I would probably turn it down even more and I would, I would say something to the lines of, uh, the greatest way that I have found to live life is to live from a place of service and from the place of love. If you can choose to, and if you choose to live, I would invite you to find your own values and if nothing else, at least live from a place of service and from a place of love.